Hey, everybody. So this podcast is a little bit of a unique format. I went and recorded this on Clubhouse. So it's a new app, kind of like a just big conference call. It's an easy way to think of Clubhouse. So I recorded it on there and went through kind of the state of the construction industry. And one uh, previous podcast guest, Dan Weiss, joined us and you know we had a good conversation there a little bit of an interactive thing so that this is how kind of the format uh, is running for this episode of the construction corner podcast we're going to try to do a few more of these and uh, looking to put together a round table um, you know here probably towards the middle end of january so stay tuned for some of that moving forward i'm going to put it on linkedin so again dylan mitchell on linkedin and you can find me there and we'll announce when we're going to do some roundtables. it'll probably be through clubhouse and then try to figure out how to put it up on linkedin and facebook and all the other live platforms so you can join in and be a part of our interactive audience uh, moving forward so it'd be a good way for you guys to ask questions and be a part of what we're doing we'll have some good guests that we'll bring on throughout the construction industry talk construction tech kind of state of construction uh what's going on in the industry and really curate a lot of good uh questions and um you know have a good discussion on the industry so stay tuned for that but i just wanted to let you know what uh what the kind of format of of this episode of the construction order podcast is going to look like it's going to be a little different um obviously i'm <laughs> recording it through my phone um or you know a separate mic so it's it, the audio quality might be a little uh, shaky, but the content is good. So guys, thank you so much for listening to the Construction Corner podcast. We're going to continue, uh, you know, showing and providing great episodes and more of what's going on in the construction industry. We're here to be a beacon of light, hope, and best practices throughout the industry. And frankly, positivity goes a long way, especially in construction. So guys, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the show. 2021, I thought it would be appropriate to do kind of a state of construction technology. So I'm Dylan Mitchell. I host a podcast called the Construction Corner Podcast, where we talk about all things construction, namely uh, tech, just uh, core values, culture, what people are up to, what they're doing, what's cool, and what I like to do. So with that, I'm an electrical engineer been in the industry for 10 years and one of the things that I have found really interesting is the change and frankly the adoption of construction technology over let's call it the last decade. We've seen tremendous changes in construction tech from you know the implementation of robotics to the implementation of just a ton of kind of crazy things. So with that figured I'd go over some of the kind of new trends that we're seeing within construction, construction tech, and uh, kind of IoT in general. So on a construction site, especially with the kind of innovations and deployment of 5G across really the, the country, the area, uh, we're seeing more and more kind of IoT applications. And what this allows people to do is to track more and more stuff from tools to energy consumption to 
basically anything with on the job site, you know, where people are, you can have like a digital time card or GPS time card to see when people are coming on and off the construction sites. What this really amounts to is deeper insight to a construction site, deeper um, ability to really see what's going on on construction sites, and then really some unique abilities for kind of remote locations. So one of the cool things that's been going on in the industry is you're now able to see more and more companies, um, and let's, let's talk one specifically. So with some of the robotics technologies that are able to be deployed is for land clearing. So there's a robotics company that is able to clear land through like an iPad basically. So they did a site survey and then robotics can now take over and robotic dozers, uh, skid steers, things like that are able to now clear a site. And this works really well for like windmills or other things that are very remote and allow them to clear site with like one person, operate three or four pieces of equipment, basically be an iPad and then you know, they can move on to the next one where you don't have to have three, four operators plus a site superintendent, all that kind of good stuff. So it's saving time, money, effort, energy, all that great stuff across um, those projects. So that's one use of kind of new construction tech. Another is uh, the Balfour Beatty is doing now is reducing their uh, energy spend, basically, if you will, on new construction sites. So they have a, a new technology that uh, it's called EcoNet that it really allows them to reduce the amount of energy that they use on a construction site. So whether that is, you know, um, well, okay, so for EcoNet in general, so it's reducing the amount of energy used by like the, the construction trailer tools, um, and typically those are powered by generators. Some might be connected to the grid, but it's really just used reducing that energy consumption. It's monitoring uh, loads, which then allows them to, to cut off uh, any breakers or anything like that to reduce energy on a construction site when people aren't using it. So it's kind of similar to what you'd see with like a, if you have a Nest thermostat or anything like that, or Honeywell, basically everybody has a smart thermostat these days. It's kind of those things, but just now applying them to the job site trailer and the job site in general. So you don't have like all this um, in electrical engineering, we call it like ghost energy or uh, it's just loads, like ghost loads that are on there. So within your own house, right? If you leave things plugged in like your TV, there's gonna be some type of load associated with that, even though it's not running. So by unplugging it, turn off power strip, basically is gonna reduce your, your loads, which then for something like Balfour Beatty and on a job site where your typical energy usage is through a generator, you're now able to reduce your carbon emissions. So it's uh, for a couple things, it's reducing that carbon emission, it's reducing the ability to uh, and their fuel consumption um, on that job site. So they have a lot of good ways to say it, but it's really, you know, ultimately reducing energy usage. So it becomes a cost effective solution. Across the other parts of the industry, you know, you've got drive-through pickup technology, and there's a lot of things that really end up doing that with kind of in the new environment, from apps to figuring out ways to deliver uh, food to the curb, and to do that in a you know 
touchless environment. So what does this really mean for new buildings, you know, and especially for like restaurants? If it's just going to be mobile, really you need no dining room. So you can cut all the dining room out. So you're basically going to cut a restaurant in half, a McDonald's, a Taco Bell, uh, whatever, in half. Because if you don't need a if you don't need seating areas, you now can cut the footprint of that restaurant in half where it's literally just uh, either mobile so you just pick it up or it's uh, just you know drive through so then you can really do those two things all through the app but then for construction you now can have more room for parking right so everything that was a dining room can be parking you don't have to have lines or anything like that inside everyone just waits in their car and typically if you're eating fast food anyway you're not the healthiest people or you're on the go so you want something quick so again it's the drive-through it's uh, some additional parking spots and you can really reuse what would have been for the dining room now all for um, your customers in their cars so that's going to be a big thing that's going to be revamped and you're going to see more things um, you know, more drive-through lanes. It's going to be um, one interesting concept that you're starting to see would be something to the effect of like a bank uh, drive-up ATM where you could like vacuum to it over to deliver that food, um, conveyor belts, things like that to where you basically drop food into a, into a slot and then, you know, people can pick it up. So you can then have multiple drive-through lanes and Again, similar to like what a bank uh, ATM drive-up pickup line would look like uh, that would allow you to kind of go in, pick up your food, all that kind of stuff. So that's one way to to do it. And again, if you're removing the dining area, the um, seating areas, you now have a lot more room and you can just, again, it's straight for pickup and uh, drive through. So all the big fast food chains, McDonald's, Chipotle, Burger King, uh, Shake Shack, uh, Taco Bell are all looking at ways to basically reduce their footprint. And if you cut the footprint in half, granted most of the money in a restaurant is in the kitchen, but still cutting out, let's say a thousand square feet at a hundred bucks uh, you know, a foot, that's a hundred grand that they're cutting out of their construction. And again, like they do have decent margins um, but still cutting out a hundred grand up front and probably shrinking your time frames by, let's just say a few weeks, a month, um, it can really increase the turnover and, uh, benefit to really all of construction. So that's something that's pretty cool. And you're able to really have throughout the industry is that type of stuff. So with a lot of the construction tech, we're seeing just innovations, both on the building of it and you know how firms are going about um, some of the buildings and what their really requirements so really up front like the planning stages of these buildings are getting completely renovated um, for this kind of new world and realistically like for let's talk restaurants that's a really good option for a lot of them you know especially fast food like for the most part most people are in the drive-thru <laughs> they're in um, they're not in the dining room. They don't want to sit and eat. So it's a really great way for firms and, you know, restaurants in general, uh, a lot of the fast food chains to improve their dining experience. And really just, you want to, you want a burger, you want a burrito, whatever, um, from these places to effectively improve, 
uh, or that's all you want, right? It's just a burger burrito. You don't care about any of the other stuff. So if they could reduce their footprint, increase parking, and increase the ability to get you a, a piece of food, it's going to be all that matters. And a lot of this too is going to be to where um, I talked to with friends years ago about it. And where I see this going is we've started this in um, you know digital touchscreens to order food within a restaurant, but then where this ultimately goes and especially with wage increases becoming um you know like the starting at mcdonald's is like 15 bucks an hour in most places or 13 so like that's a pretty good job for anybody starting out at 15 bucks an hour and now with this wage increase you're going to see more and more automations being put into the kitchen um, whether that's in cooking prep whatever because it, it, you're gonna to start to see an increased labor costs. Obviously the food cost is going up uh, because of that labor cost, but you're gonna see other innovations in the kitchen uh, to really help a lot of that move forward. The other things that we're seeing in construction tech, obviously software is becoming a, a bigger and bigger part of it. Um, part of this is gonna be obviously for me, like I'm in the software industry for construction tech and we're seeing more and more innovations when it comes to really the fabrication. So automating the fabrication side of it, or at least having all the parts to where you can make cuts uh, kind of in an automated manner where the saw is able to one push and slide a pipe or duct or anything like that to make the cuts, um, which then can be labeled and then put onto a you know, pallet effectively or stacked to then bring to the job site to then assemble. So you're seeing more and more innovation when it comes to the design build side of it and more and more done within the shop, uh, not so much on site. So you're seeing more and more fabrication being done off site to allow companies a better way to kind of move forward and allow them to really increase the amount of productive job site time. And then any downtime uh, that they might have can be used in the shop to apply labels or anything like that, or really just load the trucks so that they're very effective on site see more and more through that type of construction technology uh, coming forward. Obviously, with this increase in construction tech, there is a ton of companies that are popping up to really take advantage of the increased hype around construction. So you're seeing more and more uh, kind of venture arms of like Semex Ventures is um, one of them. Uh, they're out of Mexico. Hilti is doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, Saint-Gobain is doing a bunch of stuff, which is a French firm, but they have a big uh, presence in the U.S. Um, there's So there's a lot more construction firms having their own kind of R&D arm and venture arm to invest in technologies to really help improve their own thing um, and a way to kind of diversify their portfolio and their presence, not just everything within construction. So it's a pretty easy way for them to take some of their profits and dump it into um, other platforms. A lot of it, again, is in software um, and SaaS type solutions. And then there's some other like robotic solutions coming up. So one of them <clears throat> that has been very interesting is um, it's out of Boston Robotics. They're like spot dog, right? To walk around job sites, take video, um, do photogrammetry, all that kind of stuff and do simple little uh, job site walks. Welcome, Dan. How's it going, man? If I can invite to speak. There we go. 
talking about contact and uh, what is going on in the industry. So with this, you got Spot, you've got, um, and if Dan can come up onto the, there we go. How's it going, Dan? <laughs> All good, man. Uh, so I, I want to get your take on it, and I'm recording on my side of this uh, whole deal for the Construction Corner podcast, so I might re-publish uh, some of this stuff, but I wanted to get your take on the uh, drywall finish robot that uh, Canvas is dealing with. Or created, I you guess. Know, I haven't seen, unfortunately. Can you hear me? Yep. I have I have not seen an in-depth video yet of it operating, so I would be speaking from a place of uh, naivety on it. But <laughs> just in general, so that you know, the grain of salt, always, you know. Um, so that's what I don't, I don't know. I think you know, obviously, that's a trend that our industry is going in. Right, I've talked to um, two or three other startups that are like doing like painting, right? They're looking to roboticize painting, and um, you know, with all these things, right? This is like I equate these to. This is just like back, you know, a hundred years ago when we used to harvest crops by hand, right? <laughs> yep. And right now in construction right? We still harvest crops by hand, right? I mean, my goodness, look at how many pencils we use, right? Still, like our industry runs on pencils a lot oftentimes. <laughs> um, I know we do, especially in, in the drywall business, you know? And so right now, you know, you're starting to see these machines, like they are not going to be perfection, right? Obviously. But, you know, like this is like the very first time it comes along when all of a sudden, you know, we used to harvest corn by hand, and all of a sudden, we got homeboy coming along in a you know harvester that's driven by a horse, right? And he can now harvest two rows of corn very quickly, right? That's that's the, in my opinion, the you know equal to like a canvas drywall taping um, robot, right? It, initially here, it will probably be slower, right? Or maybe just as fast, you know? Like it's hard to tell. Right. right. Somebody that's really, really proficient by hand. Right. But it's like, it's just the beginning though. Like it's just the beginning. Yeah. And finding, and this is the where I see it is finding that guy that's super proficient to compete against the robot. Right. How many of those guys exist? <laughs> right. Like when we talk about like, you know, for example, the market I'm familiar with is St. Louis. You know, when we talk about how many drywall tapers there are in St. Louis, Missouri, I don't know how many there are that are super, super proficient. Let's just call that 500, right? Right. Okay. Let's just say there's 500. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of times where demand is more than 500, right? <laughs> so then all of a sudden we start having people that aren't as proficient, right? Doing this work and they're not as skilled. And so, yeah, I mean, that is a scenario where, you know, but yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't know how fast, you know, Sure. Cost effective. I don't. I know they have operated on like twenty three different jobs, so obviously it's not terrible, right? You know, so um, they're doing something right. 
if they continue to get people to use it and working, you know, but um, I haven't seen it personally operate, so sure. I need to reach out to them, figure yeah. it out. And their model, like, that's, it's a pretty cool side of things, too, is their, how they're going after it, you know, as a context startup, they're going after it as a sub, right? They're self-performing the work versus, like, hey, here's a robot, you use it. Um, obviously, I think they'll go that way in the end, but for now and for probably the foreseeable future, they're going to just do their own projects, which is a great way to, like, oh, crap, the robot screwed up. <laughs> we need to fix it. Yeah, I think that is, you know, you see this a lot because then I see this a lot with construction tech startups that are operating this space, like Dusty Robotics is one. There's another uh, layout kind of painting tool out there that I'm aware of that's kind of doing the same thing where they largely operate as contractors. I mean, it just makes sense exactly to your point from a liability side, from a cost performance side, you know, from all these things, especially in construction, we don't like to use new tools a whole lot. So when you start saying like, hey, sub this out to me and their startup, right? So they're naturally gonna be burning off money anyway, right? To put that into product development and all these other things, right? It's a much bigger picture approach. So, you know, yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense to do it that way. Yeah, there's, I mean, I've seen so much come through technology and what I was just talking about with how some of the big players are investing in this. Like um, you've got like Semex is doing a big, um, you know, they've got their own venture arm. Um, Hilti, you know, uh, Vinci's group, um, Nova by St. Cobain. So like all these big kind of, providers or companies themselves are investing in their own arms to kind of diversify their stance so they're not just a construction company but they're investing in the, the technology to then serve other other firms right for sure dude i mean this is you know this is something that's not going to be going away anytime soon this is going to continue to gain steam you know it's like if you look around enough there's always an industrial revolution in some industry, right? And right now, you know, we're just beginning the industrial revolution uh, within the construction industry. And, um, you know, we're, we're entering, in my opinion, a technology arms race. Um, yeah. You know, especially with, with all these other companies. Yeah, and the, so. the biggest thing too that I see standing in the way of tech is contracts, <laughs> as bad as that is that uh you know who does what and the like when you start looking at generative design or kit of parts like all that's well and good but until the especially in commercial construction now home construction is a whole different deal um but in commercial with you know hey you're responsible for this until really those contracts get ironed out and even talking to a lot of general contractors they're just buying all the subs so they self-perform it and then those i mean that's an easy way to iron out everything to where they basically self-perform the work it's true um you know one of the other strategies we're starting to see yeah i don't know man. i think it just depends um you know because there's some general contractors out there who well yes the contract is but i mean we're talking about like tools that sub use that subs use there is a lot of tech out there that a forward-thinking sub could use that doesn't necessarily require any modification to a contract. Yep. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know? uh, gosh, I mean, we're not even into like a 5D BIM <laughs> model. Like, you know, we're not there yet to where it's like, 
you know, I mean, I think that's going to see that be really prevalent in five to ten years here, where you know we're starting to see um, a lot more companies operate, you know, out of putting just way more um, detail into those models. I mean, there's a lot of other countries that operate this way too. You know, there's a lot of other countries around the world that that's just part of construction culture is they build the building based off of the model, you know, and they manufacture everything and ship it out. Like, you know, the country that comes to mind is Japan, right? They are not robust with natural resources. So everything has to get shipped in. And so they essentially build and prefabricate and manufacture everything and then ship it to the job for install. Right. Well, and in Japan in particular, like, you know, uh, land is not prevalent either. So having that space on a job site to do layout, you know, doesn't really exist. Right. And so, right. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. Like, you know, so we, I feel like we're still here in the good old US of A. I still feel like we're the, you know, wild west gunslingers when it comes to building stuff. Not that terribly, but you know, that's, that's obviously a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it a uh i don't know what am i saying anyway no exaggeration yeah exaggeration that's the word that's obviously an exaggeration (laughs) you know but you know i mean but look at europe though i mean they are you know they're planning it's really all the pre-planning right it's like their pre-planning processes are way more in depth than ours are yeah and that's scheduling is kind of one of those last frontiers here in the u.s that needs to be overcome and once you know it it is where you can truly schedule everything out like and you know in an automated fashion is really where i see that going to that a model i mean it all starts with the model is the model good enough to then pull out the right information to then you know fabricate to plan to install like all of it you know up and down the chain and the the thing with most of these like companies that i'm seeing come up um which is you know, on the opposite side, what we're doing is they're looking at the like construction side of it. No one, no one really cares about the model. They're doing everything like on the other side of the modeling process. Right. People care about the model for the pre-planning aspect, but then when it comes to construction, you know, oftentimes the model just gets thrown out the window. Right. Well, and, and that's just it is that you know, like you see all these companies popping up in, in construction tech and everyone's, you know, on the job site. I get it. It's a bigger like <laughs> platform and area because you have more subs, more people to sell something to. But it all starts with the model, which is, you know, I guess why I decided to start there is if you get the model right, everything else becomes really easy. No, you're 100 percent correct. I mean, that's where it's like, you know, we see like in, in our SaaS world now of as far as business software goes we see so many companies being geared towards SaaS use in the field right of construction right to your point and it's just like that's one of the worst things that you could do that's like you wonder why production or you know construction productivity is down right or flat over the last four decades it's because you know software doesn't help our people get buildings built any faster (laughs) Right, like putting software into carpenters' hands, right, and making them log stop and do it. It's like it's keeping them from doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is building buildings. You know, it's like we don't have machines doing this, we have people doing it. You know, so it's like let's keep the people 
you know, let's give them the information that they need within the time frame, make the easy, make the information easy for them to access, you know, make them be able to make really good decisions. Right. But at the same time though, it's like, we still have to install stuff. Yeah. I mean, in this, like, so I'm looking at what, like, uh, so Semex Ventures has their like top 10, uh, finalists here and it's like, okay, AI, SaaS platform, clean tech company, you know, that's okay. This is actually doing a product where they're, you know, basically doing a carbon negative concrete. So that's kind of cool. Um, you know, marketplace for SaaS solutions, AI and BIM, like using sensor data. Okay. So not actually building anything software and financing platform. Okay. Not actually building anything SaaS application, you know, construction equipment data to make it easy to find. Okay, great. You know, generative design software and standard kit of parts, uh, kind of sort of does build something, you know, indoor rob robot to, you know, for construction materials, again, not quite there. SaaS platform to help manage their logistics and supply chain. Okay. That somewhat kind of helps. And, uh, you know, smart scanners and AI. It's nothing to do with like the model, <laughs> any of these things. It's like, you know, sustainability of the life cycle, uh, financing platforms, make sure people get paid better, right? Like they, there's nothing that I'm seeing to, you know, to your point, build stuff to do prefab because again, it's not like fancy, right? It's not like automated saw technology to, you know, cut label and, palletize you know pipe <laughs> right where is where are you finding this at this list at oh uh, it was on construction it was on construction dive so okay. yeah semex I'll look it up. yeah announces 10 finalists in construction tech startup got it oh i was actually here i saw this okay yeah yeah i mean like it's it's so interesting in what's like out there in construction that everyone's doing these financing things and you know we've talked about this before too and I'm, I've said it on a bunch of podcasts but you have a bunch of people that are looking to build stuff that have never been in the industry before especially construction right. like Okibo right on their list yeah okay I B-O, that is also another taping robot Yeah, wall plastering. Yeah, they've been out before that. And so here's what I always think interesting about robotics and construction. And I'm not hating on them or their product at all, right? It's just, I see this though from folks. It's like we're, we're always trying to mimic a human, right? And how a human does things, right? Because right? that's what we know. We're trying to make it, and I understand, that they're either trying to make it familiar right to like a person on a job so that way they can relate and understand like what the robot's trying to do but it's like you know a lot of times it's like well the reason that a lot of construction processes take place the way they do right is because humans are limited you know a lot of the reasons that like sheets come in four by eight right is because that's what the human can handle yep. you know or four by ten or whatever it's like because that's what people can handle it's like when we start doing things robotically, it's like, why do we need to continue to do them that way? You know, it's like we can think outside the box and do things in a way that is different that, you know, how a robot can do that, not necessarily how trying to adapt a robot to how a human does things. Yeah, and to that point, 
then you start looking at the whole supply chain, right? So now you're looking at right. that, um, and like in my area, we're, you know, one of the biggest employers is Sierra Pacific, and they produce, you know, a bunch of wood products. They're also like the largest landowner in California. So with that, they, you know, so now you look at plywood in particular, right? Sheet products. So now, you know, is that a 10 by 10? And you're still limited by, you know, the width of a semi bed, right? <laughs> you know, and then to get it, the other thing is to get it through a door, you know, um, right. You, you can only be seven feet high. So <laughs> is this thing gonna, right? or, or you got to put all your sheet goods up before a door gets put up to, to fit it through the door. So it's things like that, right. you know, so now you're at a, okay, let's go to the max. You're at a six foot, you know, nine and three quarters, <laughs> uh, piece of product, You'd give, you know, right. maybe an inch on each side for stabilization, uh, right. to get that thing through a door. If you know, doors are your limiting factor. Right. Which most of the time, unless you're talking about like a, I don't know, most like, of the time they're not like right. on, a, on a typical building site, you know, most of the time it's like, so I like, think about it like that though when you have the ability to then go from, okay, what can a person carry to then, okay, what can I fit on a tractor trailer? Right. 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 Well, that is immensely different, right? If you're like, okay, I, you know, I need to have something that a human can pick up to like, okay, what can a crane pick up and what can we haul? Right. Right. So now all of a sudden the problem goes from, you know, 50 to a hundred pounds in something that's, you know, four foot by 10 foot to something that's 10 foot by 40 foot by what kind of crane pick you know it's like it's all of a sudden like our problems change a little bit which you know is makes um which should right if utilized correctly should make the construction process be more efficient oh yeah then at that point you're putting you know uh one wall up of a building at a time (laughs) right one sheet one continuous sheet and then what does that do for and when you start thinking of it that way, what does that do for like continuous insulation? What does that do for efficiency? Because right. now you have no gaps, right. no anything right. else. It uh, right. it becomes a lot easier. Well, that's like I, that's what one of the one of the reasons that I see why like Tilto has pretty much taken over warehousing. Right? Oh yeah, because it's, it's like you know it's it's easy to build really large, really tall, structurally sound you know, exterior walls, right? It's like the most efficient way to do it. I don't know how else you do that, you know, build big, big warehouse facilities. And put them up Literally quickly. The most, right, and put them up quickly, right. You yeah. Know, it makes the most sense. Yeah, everything in there is, you know, detailed out, right? Where an outlet goes, where a door goes, where all that stuff, you know, sits, fits, is all pre-planned so when they cast it i mean it's one cast show up and then it's like a you know puzzle piece where you put up some <laughs> supports and go to town right yeah oh it's interesting I, I really do think one of the things that we're going to start seeing though as a result of like this next you know 10 year 20 year period of more industrialized construction is i really think you're going to see a lot more flexibility in the manufacturing, which was going to allow people to get crazier uh, with their architecture, right? Which is going to be, so like you're going to see some really neat architectural stuff come out because it's, you know, when you don't have to have stuff done by hand anymore and you can kind of start designing things that are, you know, a little more crazy, like a little, not crazy, I say, I say the word crazy, like intricate, 
right? A little more detailed and a little more, you know, whatever, like uh, modern, whatever style you want to call it. I really think you're going to be able to see more of that. Yeah, you've already started to see it in facade design in particular for <clears throat> like parking garages and that kind of thing where it's a uh, fabricated metal panel that, you know, is mm -hmm. kind of undulating in its design because they can, for the fab of that, it's all metal pieces. So, so long as, you know, the angles are good enough or, you know, they can actually fab it. And there are tools to help uh, fab all that stuff to where you know it's pretty easy to then put together and assemble so you're you're seeing that in facades for sure and there's a lot of other tech that's coming out and especially if it's not a structural piece if it's just like purely architectural and not structural that they can do a lot of that stuff because they can use light gauge or 3d print it uh for that matter um right. to have these kind of interesting designs come out that's something really interested to see out of like branch technology you know it's like Mm -hmm. when are when are we going to see them you know get up and scale and do more you know do more projects right where there's like a cool exterior facade you know on something like maybe even if it's just because it, you know as long as it's not load bearing or anything like that they can do some pretty neat stuff yeah i've seen a few i've worked on some projects that that are cool in that manner um the other thing that like when you <clears throat> come to like these very like generative design type solutions it's then cutting out like each individual piece to then assemble and name but again i've seen some really cool like ceiling designs where like lights mm -hmm. you know are cut through a wood panel and every single panel within the like undulating ceiling is labeled it's got you know color schemes right. that were all painted like uh as it went you know in a gradient design so there's, right. and, and that was, heck, six, seven years ago. So a lot of that stuff has right. been out. It's just going to be the widespread use of it. And, like, are people willing right. to pay for, you know, that type of <laughs> higher-end design? But here's what's, here's what's interesting, though. Like, you can apply that same principle to a higher-end design, you know, like what you're talking about. You can also apply that to a lower-end design. Like, it doesn't have to be you know, this crazy thing to all of a sudden just be componentized, labeled, right? And then you can have a model, you know, like a 3D model or whatever sit on plan grid, right? And then you can just match up those pieces to where they go in the model. Yeah. I mean, like that principle still applies and that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, and we're starting to for sure see that. So like there's a company called like Ally that's out there that's doing um, some of that in the prefab world where taking a, a design model, putting it to assembly parts, spooling it, and then, you know, sending that to a, a saw to then cut, you know, whether that's pipe right. or whatever, sheet metal. And that's, that's really the biggest thing is then you can label it, they pull up a model or that fab sheet to say, okay, hey, you know, part whatever, one, two, three, four connects to part ABC in yep. room you know whatever 10 <laughs> right so there's yeah there's a ton of that type of technology i mean robotics are huge like the land clearing devices drones things like that but i'm starting to see and i think where the, the like true money long term and the companies that stay are going to be is all in the how can you make the guy's job easier uh yeah. in the field yeah 
It's all about, well, I mean, think about it. Most construction companies still operate, especially subcontractors. A lot of them still operate on, you know, uh, an exchange of one hour for dollars. Yep. You know, it's like, and that it's pretty standard. Like if you go tell me, you know, obviously like if I know the general wage rate of a trade, right. In any locale, in any city, and you tell me, oh, we, you know, we employ X number of people, right? I can probably get really close to what your revenue numbers are. Yep. You know, and that's pretty unanimous amongst a lot of different trades. Yeah, and if you start flipping that to where you right. pay for results, now that's a different ballgame. Well, and then too, though, like when we're starting to see, you know, three people leave for every one people that come into the industry – Right now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, what's that? What's that going to do to our construction process? Right. You know, it's like when owners, you know, and clients only want things done faster and faster and faster. Right. And so it's like, what does that do? Like, it inhibits our ability to be able to respond to market demands. You know, and so that's it's out of that where you're really going to see a huge response in the next decade. You know, to moving towards a, you know, industrialized or roboticized construction practice and methods yeah with construction too i mean it takes so long to train people so you've got that you know apprenticeship is four years right it's not not six months it's years to learn your your trade so for if you've got people leaving the industry it's very quick for them to leave it's very hard for or in a long process to bring in those their replacements well, and that's not even, that's just talking about getting somebody to be super proficient at the craft, right? Yeah. That's not necessarily like your management or above level, your foreman level or above, right? That's just to get somebody really proficient at, you know, what they do every day. When you start talking about like a management level, like, you know, so like our folks here, you know, that manage like our large projects, like these folks have been in and dealt with a lot of different problems, you know, super tenured, like most of the time they don't even get to be able to manage like at a superintendent level, you know, so it's like you have foreman, foreman, superintendent, like by the time they get to that superintendent or project manager level, you know, most of them have been in the industry for at least 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> the time frames, and this is, I think where like other industries don't understand like construction is, you know, it takes a long time for people to understand the process, the craft, and then on top of that, you know, then learning what con- how the contracts are, how the paperwork flows, the money flows, everything else, you know, allocating resources, resource planning, um, you know, it, it's going to take at least a decade. Right. You know, it's like right now we're just talking about like we haven't even started touching the whole like management problem, which is easier in a lot of ways to solve than, you know, trying to find, you know, two extra workers, you know, for every three that leave. But still though, it's like, you know, there's just, we're avoiding, we're trying to avoid one problem now, but just to be ready to approach (laughs) another. What else is new? Hey, it's what else is new. Yeah. New opportunities, right? That's really what it amounts to. For sure. For sure. You know, but that's, what's going to be interesting to see though, is how, like AI, and I, I really don't like AI because it's so broad, <laughs> like machine learning, right. right? Machine vision, how all those things, 
how we transfer some of that knowledge over, right, and to, to these different softwares, right, to these different logic trees that can then help us spot things. So that way, you know, we don't necessarily have to have, you know, 30 people on a construction site that are super tenured, right, to really understand. It's like, okay, we can help, you know, we can maybe cut that down to 20 people, right, and then augment them with some of these other, you know, softwares and cameras to be able to spot some of these problems before they really become a major problem. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, I think it all goes back to the model, right? You need to have a point of reference mm -hmm. for it, and if the modeling's done correctly, then the machine vision aspect becomes a lot simpler because you're just matching model to right. real-world uh, scenario. Right, you're overlaying, correct. Yeah, it's interesting, just because construction is one of those only industries where everything is bespoke. Everything we do <laughs> is bespoke. Yeah. You know, it's like you can build the same house on the same street right 10 lots in a row but each one of them may have its own problem right so, yeah it's interesting no it uh it for sure is i mean and really i guess the biggest point here in the state of construction tech it's evolving you know we're cutting down um really efficiencies or inefficiencies in a lot of things. We're changing how we like deliver. Um, so earlier I talked about food and how restaurants are gonna cut their basically footprint in half because if you don't have dining, that doesn't matter. So really when you talk about construction tech, it's also what are we trying to deliver as an end product, right? We're delivering a building, but that building and the you know planning of it changes. And fast food in particular has no problem in tearing their, <laughs> their stuff down and building a new one. All right. Yeah, it's interesting, dude. Like, you know, because you're sitting and see in construction, you're seeing a lot of folks go to prefab facilities, right? And centralizing, you know, and like I always explain that to people from outside our industry. It's like, you know, think of it like a, a restaurant chain with multiple restaurants, but then they have a central kitchen, right? Where they prepare everything in batches and then ship it out to the other restaurants, you know, for them to do the final prep and serve. Right. You know, that's kind of the same, it's the same concept. Yep. Know, so. Catering. same thing and it's like well, right they're like oh that makes a lot of sense it's like right yet right now we still send everything out to the site in bulk quantities and expect everybody to process everything hey guys i hope you enjoyed this episode of the construction corner podcast i really enjoyed doing this episode and uh having our special guest dan come on the show um we enjoyed it and we went into some other stuff that i cut out so that's why it kind of ends abruptly here but Construction tech is ever-evolving. We're doing more and more, and I think um, if anybody's looking to get into construction tech, where the biggest areas of improvement are, are in actually doing the work. So if you can find ways to help improve and do the actual work in construction, whether that's prefab or on-site, bending pipe, pulling wire, all that kind of great stuff, that is where the innovations are going to lie, and that is the biggest area for opportunity. Just know in construction tech, it's going to take you a while to get there. I did software and it still took me four years. I talked to another guy on software and it took him six years uh, to launch. So again, it, it will take you a while, but that is where the biggest areas of innovation are. And frankly, most people are not looking uh, in construction to do tech. Um, and especially those of you that know and understand the industry, you have a great advantage over everybody else. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to do some more interactive pieces like this 
on uh, Clubhouse and maybe through LinkedIn or other areas. Um, you can reach out to me, Dylan Mitchell on LinkedIn, uh, Dylan A. Mitchell on uh, Instagram or Calabunga Studios and Calabunga Studios everywhere, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, be happy to connect with you guys and um, you know answer any questions or get some feedback on what you want to hear next. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Construction Corner Podcast and until next time.